Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. This is David and Tracy Sellers, and we have made Vows to Keep. Christmas is just around the corner, and a lot of us picture ourselves just surviving the holiday, getting through the busyness of all the parties, concerts, present shopping, making endless goodies, and handling a house full of company. I'm tired just talking about that. Me too. Can we take Christmas off this year? (laughs) What if we took a different approach? What if we did all those same things, but we come out on the other side of December stronger in our faith? Stronger in our marriage, stronger in our love for our Lord. That sounds awesome, but how do we get there? Today, we're going to be talking about setting expectations. We're going to be talking about finances and time, serving together. We're going to be talking about the company that comes over and the traditions that teach the next generation. Because we want to learn alongside you how to not just survive the holidays, but to thrive through the holidays. So let's talk about that first one, David, expectations, because I think out of all the categories we're going to cover today to help all of us thrive through the holidays, we had to start with this one. It is a biggie and it's expectations. I don't know if this is just a girl thing, David, you can chime in your answer, but the demands of Christmas, they start creeping in, in my mind, around like September. I think for most guys, it starts about December 23rd. Or fourth. (laughs) Well, maybe for you, it's earlier or later than September. The Christmas to-do list, though, it seems to get longer every year, and I can never seem to keep up. I think we've all been told from our childhood what makes for a quote-unquote perfect Christmas. You know what I'm talking about. The latest and the greatest under the tree. The decorated house that could easily be on a Pinterest page. The smiling Christmas card sent to all the right people. Don't even get me started. Usually all those things that we do, all the things we have on our expectation list don't have anything to do with celebrating Christ's birth or not much to do with it. When our to-do list expectations aren't met, we typically don't respond very nicely, do we? It's pretty unbiblical. Or we kill ourselves trying to meet every single expectation on our list. And in the meantime, we miss the most important things. So how can we, David, debunk some of those expectations and therefore totally change how we look at December? These ideals that you're talking about that have been bred into us from our childhood, I think especially, you're right, especially in women, the commercialism that just causes us to have such high expectations, the perfectly decorated house, having just the right Christmas dresses on our little girls. I mean, the list is a long one. These expectations so easily weasel their way in when it comes to not only the gifts that we give, but also the gifts that we want. For example, if your love language is gifts, you might put out an expectation of an extravagant, very well thought out, very planned gift from your spouse. They'll start feeling the pressure of that and you know that they're going to feel the disappointment that will come from you if they fail to get you what you want. David, I don't like to talk about how I get when I have a bad attitude, but that's really what happens when our desires go unfulfilled. We make choices that don't bring glory to our Savior. We make choices that put other people down. We make choices that say, I'm in control and it's my way or the highway. But this may be the year of setting your expectations aside and getting your fulfillment 
from the Prince of Peace who has come to give his life for us. Maybe this is the year to let your spouse know, hey, honey, I am satisfied. I am happy with you. I am happy with life. Let's not get anything for each other this year. Let's bless somebody else. Many of our expectations around Christmas are on the things that we can see with our eyes, that we can touch. How about you? Have you placed a high importance on the tangible stuff? Ask God to help change your expectations. Even take time to write out what you think that they are. Evaluate them through a biblical lens and then share your list with your spouse and ask them to help keep you accountable. Ask them what their expectations are as well. Expectations, David, they play a huge role in the next category that we're going to talk about on how to thrive through the holidays. See, as we try to keep up with those expectations, you know what? Our finances can't keep up. Our checking accounts can't keep up and our credit cards definitely shouldn't keep up. And oftentimes we end up going over budget if we even had one to begin with. The first several years of our marriage, we didn't even have a guideline when it came to budgeting for Christmas. We just didn't have enough in our budget to begin with. Well, Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with your wealth. And what that means is you've got a plan for these kinds of things. Proverbs 22, 7 says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is a slave of the lender. So the main point that you've got to get out of this is that Christmas is not the time to go into debt to bless others. That will not honor God. Finances around Christmas really has to be a two-way conversation, David. You and your spouse have got to get together and talk about holiday finances in advance. Decide, make a decision and stick to it. How much we're going to spend, who we're going to spend it on and agree not to go over budget. In fact, it's so helpful just to write it all down so you're both on the same page. You might be thinking, okay, great. Um, You're telling me this right now, but Christmas is right around the corner. I'm not prepared to that level this year. Well, here's what you can do. If you kept your receipt, you can always take things back, but really it goes down to the heart of the matter. How do we observe what we read in Proverbs? One of the things we've done in our family is to give the gift of service. It doesn't have to be a big extravagant gift. We really have everything we need, don't we? How about blessing someone else or giving the gift of denial to yourself and your family? Let me give you an example. Our Christmas budget is pretty small. We do not go all out, but we still have awesome Christmases together. And here's what happened a few years ago. Even though the amount was quite small that we spend on our kids, we felt God was leading us to ask them if they would like to give part of what we would have spent on them and spend it on someone else. They each chose on their own with no persuading to give a percentage of the money that would have been spent on them to someone who needed it more. A couple of them chose to take that money and go to the grocery store and buy food for a local food pantry. They had so much fun doing this. They each got their own cart and they did the math and they figured out this is how much I can buy. This would be the wisest thing to buy. This is what would help someone the most. And they had so much joy in giving to others. What a great tradition to carry on into future years in your household. And we're going to talk about traditions in just a little bit here on Vows to Keep Radio. So stay tuned for that. But we want you to get this. Don't let money keep you from thriving through the holidays. In fact, if it's too late for you this year, plan ahead for next year. Determine how much you should spend and then set aside a little bit each month throughout 2019 so that you're ready. If you don't budget your money, guess what's going to happen? It's going to go out the window. And the same thing happens with our next category, and that's time. It's going to get spent either way. Will we spend it distracted or focused? 
You know how it goes. Busy, busy, busy. Go, go, go. Rush here, rush there. We can't even get our heads screwed on straight. And since so much more of your time and money are going out the door, it is difficult to ensure that you're spending both in the right way. You're right, Tracy. It's so critical that we agree in how we spend our time. There's going to be so many different options, right? I might want to go to the Christmas Eve service. You might want to stay home. I might want to travel someplace warm and sunny, like to a beach. But hon, we really better go home and see my family this year. (laughs) Communication is key. It's so important to defer to one another because you've got to respect each other. As Romans 12.10 talks about honoring one another above ourselves. Maybe you're not at odds with how to spend your time, but you're just distracted. And I'm talking being distracted from Jesus Christ, the real meaning of Christmas. But our distractions go further than that. Maybe it's beyond Jesus. We're losing focus on our spouse. And the way you spend your time shows it. When there are so many things to plan and prepare for, so many things to attend, our marriage gets lost in the shuffle. Does your spouse feel like they're just another thing on your to-do list? Or do they see that you actually desire to be with them? Husbands, you need to let your spouse know that amid all of the things that are going on, that you are not distracted from your wife, that that she is still your focus, that she is still your priority. Wives, it's important that a little is done together than that a lot is done separately. And this might mean that you need to cut out some of those ambitious things that you've got on your to-do list. Reduce your obligations to what can be done together. I think it is totally possible to have peace in our hearts and our homes as we thrive through the holidays. But how do we do that? There's this familiar verse from Philippians 4, and it's really going to come into play here as you evaluate your time and the stress level that accompanies it. Listen to this. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I don't think I necessarily do that in December. How about you? It goes on to say, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you, I have never applied those verses to Christmas before. Peace at Christmas time? What a concept. It can be accomplished, this verse says, as I stay close to my Savior, as I bring my concerns and even my crazy schedule before Him, asking for His way over my way, and being humble enough to hear there might be some things I need to cut out if I want that peace. This starts, though, by spending time in God's Word, just as the verse that Tracy read. It's as essential as eating this Christmas. So when you feel anything but the peace of Christmas in your heart, let that be the hunger signal. It's, it's like when your tummy is rumbling and you know there's Christmas cookies in the other room. A lack of peace has got to be the indicator to you to remind you to eat, to feast on God's word. Get filled up so that you can be poured out. I think our homes even can be a place of peace, even when we're busier than normal. We can still honor God in our home with how we treat each other, how we speak to one another, how we serve one another like Christ served. We also have to have an appropriate expectation of what really is quality time at Christmas time. For many of us, quality time boils down to if I am having fun. Well, of course, you want to have fun with our family during this time. The bar of quality time is not set at the point in which you are having fun. So as a dad, you might get down and you might play with your kids. 
And that might be something which is really awesome for them, but you might struggle with feeling like you're not being productive. Often it's like that. That's quality time, my friend. Our kids tend to be the focus. It's, it's all about what spells quality time for them. But what if we flipped it around this season? What if we actually helped them to see that quality time is time that's spent looking for what's important to someone else? Think about this. Some parents obligate their kids to write thank you cards to the people that have given them gifts. And to be honest, I think in this day and age, not many people even do that. But what if you helped your kids to see that this process was actually less about the person getting thanked and more about your kids taking time to understand the importance of the appreciation that needs to be in their heart. Going back to the marriage side of things, quality time is all about making sure you have stopped that busy cycle to actually be intentional, to be in love with each other, to make love with each other. You might have to fight some logistics to build the kind of quality time that shows you're making conscious choices to support your marriage's health. When David and I were talking about this before we're talking to you today, I said, okay, how does that really work? David, what does that look like? I think it starts with disconnecting from work, at least for me and many other men, turning off your work computer, unseeking your work email off your cell phone, setting an out of office on your voicemail and on your phone that just states, hey, I'm going to be gone from this time to that time. And so your job has got the same expectations you're trying to create for your family. That's such great advice, David. I think that is so appropriate. I also think it's appropriate to set aside social media for a while. You don't really need to be looking at Pinterest as you're trying to spend time with your family, or maybe they're trying to spend time with you and you're really distracted with what's out there on YouTube or the latest Christmas movie on Netflix. This is the time to think about what to say no to and what to say yes to. And as we're talking about time today, I think it begs the question, is there time to serve together? We all know we've got lots of resources. We've got them coming out of our ears, right? We've got talents, money. We've got comfort, compassion, faith. As a couple, how could we take what we've been given by God and give it away? You might be thinking, hey, David, Tracy, I'm all tapped out. There is not a smidgen of room to add anything else. But I want you to listen to this. Proverbs 11:24 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Here's what I miss so often. When we have a common goal as a couple to serve and to love like Jesus, it brings that peace, that unity, that bond that we are looking for in our marriage. So make sure you're being poured into by a close walk with your Savior and then walk out that faith with your spouse, shoulder to shoulder, pointing our faces toward our Savior by serving his people. That's right, David. There is always time to serve. And This Christmas, you might be called upon to serve someone that you'd rather not see very many times throughout the year. That's right. We're talking about Christmas company. You might just have the chance to use some of your resources together with the company you're going to be having over Christmas or as you become someone else's company. (laughs) We're talking about the in-laws and the outlaws. We're talking about the cousins who come and crash on the couch and the grandparents who knock on the door at the most inopportune time. Maybe it's you driving hundreds of miles to see people who share the same DNA as you do, but that you haven't talked to in over six months. Don't forget when you've got a car full of little ones, two of them are crying and someone needs a diaper change. It's so stressful. These are the times that we can lose our witness and fast. It seems like we get one step off the tracks of having a godly attitude 
And it's so hard to get back on. You know how it goes. Your mom says something that irks you. Your aunt so-and-so steps on your dreams. The kids think grandma's house is a place where mom and dad's rules no longer apply. And it doesn't take long. And we've lost our way in following after Jesus and what he has taught us in his word. Even and especially around our media and extended families during this holiday season, we can be put in some of those stressful situations. And it's in those times we've got some big choices to make with our attitudes, with our thoughts, with our words, and with our actions. We are not victims of our circumstance. We can reflect Christ. And this is something many of us struggle with, me included. But could our hours and our days spent with these people be just the exact situation that God wants us in? Is he putting you there to change you? Or is he putting you there to use you as an instrument of change? It's probably both. Listen to what God asks of us in Ephesians 4.22. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. God's desire doesn't change. His goal is always to make us into his image. For us to actually reflect his image to others, and especially our family, so that he may draw others into relationship with himself. And I think this is why witnessing to your own family might be some of the hardest things to do. At a time like this, it's one of the most critical things you can do. So as you're driving the van on icy roads in a couple weeks and the kids are fighting in the back seat, will you make yourself available to be used by your Lord? As you and your wife are fighting in the guest bedroom at your relative's house, will you make yourself available to be humbled and changed? Will you put off that old sinful nature and put on your new nature, the one that is created to be like God? We need to pray that prayer, don't we, David? That God would help us to do that. He'd help us to walk that out. I think it's especially hard going over to your parents' house if you have that opportunity because for me, it can cause me to revert back to the days where I lived under their roof. I can really quickly fall into old patterns. I know you've seen it, David, and even ungodly ones. But I also think it's possible to respect our parents as we keep our unity as a couple. But here's a question for you. Are you putting undue pressure on your spouse to behave a certain way while you're at your relative's home, especially your parents' home? Something that was really helpful to us was to plan ahead of time what we're going to do, what we're going to say when or if a member of our extended family says something derogatory about our spouse. How will your marriage and what you say about it be a witness to our loving Savior? I think this is especially critical for men because Jesus is this bridegroom example for the church. He is really protecting the church, his wife. Jesus puts his needs, his desires, his rights, all that stuff goes aside when he took the form of man. We see that in Philippians 2. We as husbands have to have that same kind of attitude. That's when the spotlight shines on Jesus. So if your wife is feeling pressure or taking flack from your family, man, you got to step up. You got to lean in and protect that girl. And as we close today on Vows to Keep Radio, we want to talk about one more category helping us, helping you thrive through the holidays. And that's traditions that teach the next generation. You could ask just about anybody and they would tell you that Christmas as a child brings up fond memories for them. I think even as adults, we tend to look forward to this time of year. I think it's not only because of the celebration of Jesus' birth, it's also because 
There are traditions we have that are deliberate. They're intentional. They spell love to a lot of people. There are the fun traditions we have, of course, like hanging up stockings and making Christmas cookies and leaving one out for Santa. We have a tradition in our house of playing Christmas music while we decorate the tree. Maybe your tradition is caroling. At my house growing up, it was pizza at four o'clock every Christmas Eve and then organizing the presents into big piles in the living room and spending the next hour laughing and talking and taking pictures as the little ones tore into their presents. So what are your traditions that you have every Christmas? Are they mindless repetitions of what you grew up with? Or do you have some that are helping you do what it says in 2 Corinthians 4.18 that says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Here's the big picture. We are stewards of our children. They've actually been placed in your care. We've been given the great task of teaching them that the world doesn't actually revolve around them, but that their lives are not their own, that they've been created by an almighty God, that their lives have been bought with a price. In Christ, they are now members of God's family if they've made that choice. We need to teach them that they are just temporarily here on earth, that living their lives not for themselves, but for God and his eternal kingdom is key. God gave us wonderful things to enjoy, but it's only in him that we're truly satisfied. We've gotten off the track when it comes to our kids in Christmas. Think about Santa Claus, right? Think about how people started copying him because he was this person who was copying Christ. St. Nicholas was a man who had a great deal of wealth, so much that he gave just like our Savior. He spent his whole life giving it away. Well, this tradition made its way into our modern world, but we've reduced the tradition to one that celebrates the creation rather than the creator. The gifts that we give, they're no longer about mimicking the wise men who did it to honor our Savior and our Lord. Now our gifts are about honoring each other, honoring some guy named Santa Claus, or being honored because you did such a good job of picking them out. The traditions that you have in your home need to ensure that Christ is not a footnote. If anything, the gifts are actually the footnote. The Santa Claus and the bows, these are all the extras but they shouldn't be distractions that keep you from the main event. If you want to keep the tradition of gift giving alive in your home, give gifts that don't create a tradition of distractions against our faith. It's one thing to give someone the desires that they might like, but as parents, we need to give to their needs. If I have a daughter who struggles with vanity, for example, giving them something that's going to push them further into that, well, that's just a bad choice. We've got teenagers, and of course, like most teenagers, they love technology. But it can be a huge distraction from their own time with the Lord. It can be a distraction from them serving others. It can be a distraction from our family time together. So we've got to think very critically about the gifts that we're giving that might encourage that distraction. And I'm not against technology. I'm just asking parents to be wise. As we end here today on Vows to Keep Radio, I want to share with you one of the most helpful tips I've ever received about the Christmas craziness that happens this time of year. It was this, don't look at your to-do list with a sense of dread. Revise your list as needed, make those appropriate changes, but remember this, every single thing that you have to do, every single person you have to visit is an opportunity to love on someone in the name of Jesus. And if you keep that perspective, rather than crossing off just one more thing on the calendar, you'll see each thing as a distinct opportunity to help someone else thrive in their relationship with their Savior. 
and you'll no longer just survive through the holidays. You and your spouse will even look forward to the opportunities you're gonna have next year to come out on the other side, stronger in your faith, stronger in your marriage, stronger in your love for your savior, the one who came down to seek and to save the lost. Let's learn about the next exciting Vows to Keep event. Don't spend another New Year's Eve bored at home. Hey, take your spouse out for a night they're gonna remember and invite your friends. I'm talking about the Vows to Keep New Year's Eve Barn Dance. Held in conjunction with Marmon Valley Farms, this event is December 31st from 7 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. There is no previous dance experience required, but we're gonna learn how to square dance together. It'll be a great time. There'll be some hilarious cowboy tales, some sweet treats, and some God-honoring marriage encouragement. Advanced registration is required. It's just $25 a couple if you register now. Keep your vows with your spouse this New Year's Eve by registering at VowsToKeep.com. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.